The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road. And recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Well, it's happening. Um, I'm I'm finally podcasting with the most insufferable man on Twitter. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's okay. So we're doing this podcast. I want to say hello to all the Kansas State fans watching and, and listening. Uh, my name is Chris Williams. I'm joined by John Kurtz, and we're doing a little joint pod uh, in preface of the big game coming up on Tuesday night in Hilton Coliseum. Thanks for doing this, John. This is this will be fun. No, absolutely. I feel like this has been a long time coming. You know, our <laughs> our, our worlds have been close to colliding before, and uh, we flirted with it and never actually did it. So I think it's it's appropriate timing to do it ahead of this game for sure. I gotta give you a compliment. Um, you have like this Twitter persona or whatever. Um, I, you, I think Iowa State fans always kind of liked Kansas State, and I think that you've done more to deteriorate that than any guy I've ever seen. So congratulations on that, on being that guy. Well, it is quite an honor. I, I will have to even uh, in, in, you know, as humble as you guys know I can be, I will have to uh, bow down to my my friends that do the uh, Bosco's Boys podcast, uh, Scott Wildcat, and used to be Grant KSU on Twitter until he got banned about 17 times. Now oh, you know no. it's Grant postmortem uh, if anybody comes across him. But those two guys are really what got me into it because I, I was like kind of the same way. And it was like probably around like 2017. I feel like it was maybe the Skyler last second touchdown to Zuber, that sort of era. They really started getting into it on, on Twitter. And I was kind of like, all right, well, this seems fun. Like if you guys, <laughs> you can tell uh, by the way I act on Twitter, like it's, it's there for fun. I like the jabbing back and forth uh, with college. That's to me, it's what makes college sports great. Right. So I started seeing like, all right, well, this could be a new rivalry to take on. And at the time, you know, I mean, K-State football was, you know, for, for being honest here at the time, K-State football was kind of mid. So it was like, you know, Hey, I need, I need something. I need some action. I need something fun here. And it was like, all right, Iowa state program at a similar sort of level here. Like, yeah. let me just follow their lead. And so I started following their lead and, and, you know, I mean, I, nothing against those guys. I guess the, the follower numbers are a little larger on my side. So maybe that's why I'm the one that, that it seems to gravitate towards the most now here at this point. But I do, I, I will, I will be completely honest with you and say that at times I feel like it's just like expected of me now at this point. And I, I feel like I get pressured into being into it more than I should. So like, I really truly don't have anything I know. Uh, fundamentally against Iowa State fans. It's just, it's taken on a life of its own. And I, I kind of feel like I, I can't stop it at this point, you know? To me, like, because I I, I I know exactly what you mean. Like, you can jab, like, there's those Texas Tech guys I'm constantly going at it with, but it's yeah. all in, in good fun. It's like, I, I feel like, I, I want to bounce this off of you. After the last, really, 10 years, like, I've covered the Big 12 missile crisis, what, like, four times now. Is what, that's what I call it. Yeah. Um, but it feels like the leftovers, the hateful eight, whatever you want to call us. Um, it's, it's really hard to hate those, those teams. Like to me, at least like you, you can have your rivalries and you can have your fun, but I've never felt camaraderie in the big 12. Like I think exists right now. And I, I think that Texas and Oklahoma have a lot to do with that. But do you, do you feel that too? Thousand percent. I, I think you're spot on. Um, and, and I, to me, it's like there there are there are seven schools that I feel very fondly about and together. And it's not just because of the typical Kansas rivalry. It's it's because Kansas has been the school the entire time that I, I still think, you know, kind of 
Yeah, uh, wants it. to be catcalling, catcalling the Big Ten on the on the corner at every turn, right? And still mm-hmm. holds a, a, a an element of being superior to the rest of the bunch. So it's with the other seven. Uh, and I'm it. with you. After the Texas and Oklahoma thing, there was a period there. Well, I remember on Twitter, you know, another little Twitter bit. I can remember, what did I say? Like a Farmageddon stand down or something. I forget what I was calling it, but I was like, you know, I feel like, guys, we got to, boys, we got to call off the horses here for a little <laughs> bit. And that did, that did last for a little while until, you know, games actually started happening again. But I think you're totally right. And I think even like, you know, I've seen like K-State fans bonding quite a bit with Texas Tech fans. I, just, I think like K-State Tech and Iowa State, I don't try to think, am I missing anybody in the league that in terms of the most like active, engaged Twitter fan bases? Yeah. Because that, that to me is like the, the holy trinity. Oklahoma State used to be, I don't feel like they are as, as much anymore, but definitely Kansas State, Iowa State, and Texas Tech are the ones that stand out to me. And they're pretty like-minded too. I mean, that that's the thing. It's yeah. like if I, if you were to ask me like to name a school in a town and a fan base that probably is the most similar to Iowa State, I would say Kansas State. And maybe that's why we're always at each other's throats. You know, like the guy, you, you know, you're not supposed to marry somebody who's exactly like you, that type of thing. Yeah, well, and it's, yeah, like almost like brothers, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the, you, you get cooped up long enough with your brother and it's like, and maybe, so, you know, I always feel like some of it too is, and I, I would, two points here, I would throw in Oklahoma State. I feel like Oklahoma State, K-State, Iowa State, with Stillwater, Ames, Manhattan, no doubt. are three just incredibly, incredibly similar schools, environments, towns, mm-hmm. everything. And to me, a part of it was like, you know, so Oklahoma State in this time span, they've been, if we're being honest, I mean, they've been the superior football product, right? And the, mm-hmm. the superior football team and more consistent. They were just kind of on a different level. Um, K-State and Iowa State was like, how many games in a row was it there that were like one score game, you know, decided Absolutely. by seven or less? I forget what it was at one point in time. And so it was just like every year it's coming down to the end. And it just seemed like some of that really sparked uh, I think a lot of this. And then even within that, I mean, it's fascinating. I could talk about this a lot, but yet like the 2015 game where somehow Paul Rhodes finds a way to lose that thing. And, you know, Iowa state fans can look back on it and be like, well, Hey, here comes Matt Campbell in the, in the aftermath of that. Whereas I would say, and you know, to everybody, I know the, the Brock Purdy thing has become another one of those. Oh yeah. I had like 15 people tweeting at me to make sure and bring that up. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. But see, I actually, I actually love the guy because man, did he save K state from being set back years in football, if if he does not win that 2018 game, which damn it, if they didn't try to lose that game, which yeah. is the most conflicted I think I've ever been as a K State fan, not sure what to root for there. But if Bill Snyder wins that game and gets bowl eligible, and then is going to be able to kick the can down the road a month on whether or not he was going to, I mean, that was a dicey situation already, and that would have going into a pandemic like if not, I just oh, and nil and all that stuff and where I covering that 2018 season was oh. one of the most stressful years that I've ever had. Because every week Snyder was doing something like it just kind of out of touch. You just knew the end was near. And oh boy, I just I am very thankful that Iowa State and Brock Purdy won that game in, in 2018. So look, you know, I mean, commonalities there. We both uh, brothers helping each other out. In, I want to uh, I want to do a summer podcast on that where I learn more about that. Because you know, like when you're up here, you, you're kind of like hearing the rumors, like oh, he wants his kid to be the coach and his kid who's like 50 or however old he is. But uh, like, I, yeah, that the Kansas, we had a close eye on that the whole time. And, and that's always the thing that the Iowa state fans used to throw back at you. You can't really do it now. Be like, well, you can't win unless Bill Snyder's the coach. The last time you hired another guy, 
your program tanked. <laughs> yeah. but no, Kleiman's great. He's he's a really good coach. I don't know how anybody can. And they, okay, let's talk about basketball because we do have limited time here. Um, as both of our teams were picked towards the tail end of the Big Twelve, Iowa State is a lot like. Um, what can, last year, what Kansas State is doing now. However, there is a big difference. You know, Iowa State was kind of just middle of the pack. They kind of, you know, bolted in the NCAA tournament to get to the Sweet 16, where Kansas State, like who in the hell thought January 23rd, they're in sole possession of first place in the Big 12 Conference. Um, I love Tang. The one thing I, I do, and I, I haven't seen you guys play a ton yet. We're kind of at that point where you're starting to see more and more games. Right. But I, but both of these teams, I mean, I, if you were to say how are Iowa State and Kansas State uh, doing so well, they're old. Like, they're two of the top 30 oldest teams in college basketball. And, like, uh, Tang and Otzelberger, like, it, it's, it's really kind of miraculous how you can just put all these pieces together who have never played together before and they can be so good. But, like, to me, that's it. When those two teams take the floor tomorrow night – it's a bunch of grown dudes. It's a bunch of, there's no, I mean, Iowa state has one freshman who starts and he's got to go against a fifth year senior at your point guard. Um, but it's, I mean, it, you're, you're kind of like watching, you know, it's, it's like college basketball, but it's just all these fifth year seniors. And you've got your guys is what top six scorers are all juniors and seniors, something like that. Uh, what, what's your perspective on this game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point that you bring up. And it's funny, earlier today for the podcast that I do uh, with Cole Manbeck and Derek Young Fremont, we, we had uh, Gary Parrish on from CBS Sports, who's been a really big cheerleader for Jerome Tang, is is very, very uh, vocal in, in his support there. And we asked him, like, man, I mean, how unprecedented is this to see a first-year head coach and a first-time head coach now be in position? I mean, they're, they're projected as a one-seed in CBS Sports bracketology right now. They're in the top five, like – how unprecedented is that? And he said, well, I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind and the closest thing I can remember seeing is last year with Iowa State and, and TJ Otzelberger and taking a team that was as bad as they were, mm-hmm. reconstructing them into a respectable Big 12 team that made, then made a nice run in, in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, there, there are plenty of similarities there. And, I mean, for Tank, I mean, he took over and immediately came in and said, and he was not really shy about this, and I, I kind of respect him for it, but he said, basically, there were, there were three guys on the roster that I thought were Big 12-level players. And obviously one of those was Nigel Pack, who went on to uh, to Miami, got the bag, as the kids say, to go for $800,000 to Miami. Mm-hmm. And then he kept Ish Masood and, and Marquise Noel. And from then on, I mean, they had to rebuild the entire roster. And it was they were patient with it, like slow and methodical to the point where it was it was freaking all of us out. Like mm-hmm. we're kind of sitting around like, man, you have six players and the season is a couple months away. Like what's going to happen here? And Keontae, Keontae Johnson, fabulous story, you know, had the heart issue collapsed on the court at Florida a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Gary Paris was telling us that he was here and initially like they weren't sure whether or not he would live. And now he's here as an all American. I mean, playing incredible. And yeah. they, they had to wait until the very last minute really to get him. Uh, Desi Sills, who is a guy who started on an elite eight team in Arkansas, who's kind of like the third or fourth best weapon, probably offensively for K-State, uh, a guard veteran experienced. Um, but they, he, he came on, he got on campus in like late August. I mean, it was, they had already started practice uh, by the time he got there. So they, it's just miraculous how they've been able to mold all these, these pieces together. They found Naquan Tomlin, who I think has NBA potential, like a really bouncy athletic wing 
uh, just raw, raw as hell, but played a couple years at Juco ball. Didn't even play high school basketball. He was playing at Rucker park in New York. And now, you know, I mean, he's kind of like the third or fourth option as well that they have there too. So just a lot of like, kind of like an Island of misfit toys thing. Then you have Marquise Noel who's like, you know, the size of Deuce Vaughn, uh, but out there hitting logo threes and they turned him from an honorable mention, all big 12 player to right now, I think like probably a third team, all American, uh, sort of a guy. And he's he played incredible. a couple of years at little rock and was in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, a lot of these guys that have been around for a while, but just didn't seem to like totally fit. And they all had their flaws and like Tang has been able to just pull them together. And I think, yeah, the experience does show a lot. I mean, they're, they're pretty unflappable. Like the Kansas game, for instance, yeah. And that go to overtime. And I mean, I just, I thought they were done at about five different points in that game and they find a way to win. They're four and in overtime. I guess that probably speaks to their, uh, their age and maturity more, more than anything. So, yeah, I think it's a very, it's a very crucial part of what, what K-State's been able to do this year is the fact that they do have a lot of experience. I was almost more impressed by the tech win and hear me out. That's a bad spot, right? Like, if, I mean, you, you have this emotional win, you're starting to get all this national publicity, I know Tech is 0-7, but they can still literally beat anybody. Like, they lost to Kansas by three. They were beating you guys at halftime, right? Like, th- this is still a team that on any given – they almost won in Austin. Um, Kansas State starts off – I think they were beating you at halftime. If not, it was, like, tight or something like that. But it was a really good game there in the first half. Kansas State comes out, refocused, re-energized in the second half, wins it by double digits. To me – I I fully expected Kansas State to play a great game against Kansas because of everything that goes into that. That was classic letdown spot. And um, not only was it a letdown, but Kansas State was able to, you know, fight back and, and find a way to win that one. And that, to me, was almost more impressive than the Kansas win last week. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the the sharp money in Vegas, I think, was really heavy on tech. If you watch the line movement mm-hmm. before that game, and I I understand. I mean, it was 100% a letdown spot. And I, I think, you know, I mean, Tang said after the game, they even, like, stopped the practice the first day back because he thought they just weren't focused. They sent him home and then came back and wouldn't tell us what they did, but did some kind of, like, activity to help get them refocused and thought that that worked. But I, I, so I think there was some of that there. Um, and that led to the first half, but also, I mean, credit to it's, it's also just a representation of the big 12, right? I mean, tech in your last place team, especially now that they've got AMAC back in the lineup, you know, I mean, like that's a pretty salty team and tech turned it into the kind of grinder that they really needed it to be. And case they was just struggling. Even the crowd, I think had a hangover. It was full. I mean, it, it was filled up, sold out, but just, there was no energy in the building until the second half. And they finally got a couple plays and then it really sparked everything. And and it got going, but yeah, it was a mature win for sure. A mature win because I, you know, I think a lot of K state teams get beat in that spot. You know, even some of the better K state teams no that we've, I, I can remember like the, it, it, speaking of Iowa state, the, the Jacob Pullen team, you know, to me, this team that K state has this year is the most exciting team that they've had since 2009, 2010, which was Jacob Pullen, Denny Clemente, Curtis Kelly. They went to the elite eight. They beat Xavier in double overtime, that crazy NCAA tournament game. That team was 29 and eight. And I remember on Denny Clemente senior day, I'm still mad about it. They lost to an Iowa state team. That was not, I mean, you could tell me what that Iowa state team was like in Bramlage. They lost on Denny Clemente's freaking senior day. So like they didn't have the kind of focus and they lost to a bad Oklahoma state team that year too at home. So yeah, a lot of K state teams have, have lost in that spot. That was Greg McDermott's final big 12 game. Now they went to the big 12 tournament and lost their first game there, but that was Greg McDermott's last Big 12 uh, regular season game. I, I remember that. I used to do a post game show 
that went live two hours after every Iowa State Big 12 game, and I did it during the thick of the McDermott era. So there are these nights I'm going on live at like midnight to talk about a team that had one win in the league, and here we are. And I, I remember that was the last show I ever did for that because that year just sucked the life right out of me. And then they beat Kansas State that night. It was it was kind of a party. I remember a lot of people uh, showed oh. up. That's the only reason I would remember that game. Um, all right, so I, I do. I think that for the preview aspect of this, for your Kansas State fans who are watching on on your YouTube feed, you know Iowa State. It's possible it could be down two starters tomorrow night. Jazz Coons. That's, that's what I was like, man. I almost I forgot to ask you before I even went on the air. What's going on with Caleb Grill? I was kind of bummed about that. Like I want you know, yeah. I, I want this matchup to be as awesome as it can be. And I, I would prefer honestly, Caleb girl plays. I I'm guessing he's going to play. I mean, he, he tried to give it a go on. He still almost played 20 minutes. Like we're acting like this guy, you know, was at the end of the bench, like not able to move. Like he played almost 20, but he, he wasn't himself. You know, I know Caleb, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't give it a go, but then it, it becomes of like, is he hurting the team being out there? Like how healthy is, I mean, not the same thing, but a similar deal to Patrick Mahomes. I thought when he went back out there, I know you're a Chiefs guy. Watch your feed. I, I thought when he went out there the other night, back, no, like this is going to be detrimental. Uh, he can't even put weight on it, and you know, and they figured it out. So, like, but my thing is now. Now I'm comparing Caleb Grill to Patrick Mahomes. Your, your <laughs> followers are going to love that. Um, but that's a very real thing. Like Caleb's become an elite perimeter defender because Iowa State has two of them, and Gabe Kalsher and Caleb Grill, and he's out of that game, and uh, Oklahoma State hit, what, like seven threes in the second half, and they're a terrible three-point shooting team. So it, it impacted Iowa State greatly, him being out of there. Koontz, they've kind of been playing with without now for a while, so you feel like that they've kind of found their win. But I, you know, that's really what it comes down to for me. I don't think Hilton Hilton's terrifying for most teams. Kansas State, I just don't know. They're so old. I just don't know if they're going to be phased too much by it. Texas was. They they got rattled. They didn't want to be there in the second half. Um, but that's a big difference for me. Like, if, if Iowa State doesn't have grill, or let's say they get him for 10 minutes, I actually think Kansas State will win. On They're a five-point underdog, so we, we saw the line. The line's out. Iowa State is still favored in this one. But that's asking a lot of an Iowa State team that struggles with bodies to begin with it's deeper than they have been but being two starters down is really i just don't know if it's attainable against a team that again at the ncaa tournament started right now would be a one seat that seems like a really tall task to me yeah it's interesting because i i I don't have the greatest feeling in the world going into this game myself on this side now a, a part of this is i think i'm still in this kind of shock where i'm like i don't i mean this is too good to be true right like the other the other shoe has to drop yeah. at some point like this, this team was unanimously picked last in the big 12 this year. And I thought they'd be a tournament team. I legitimately did, but I, I did not expect anything like this. And even through the non-con, I mean, they were really trending toward being uh, a bubble team. I'm trying to think of like a good big 12 comp. I don't know, maybe like an Oklahoma ish sort of team. Mm-hmm. And they've just totally flipped the switch in conference play. But the part the part about Hilton that makes me nervous and look, I mean, I've been to a couple games at Hilton um, was back in the Frank Martin era. And even back then when it was not the greatest Iowa state teams in the world, 
place is loud. I mean, I know full well uh, just what kind of an environment that can be in. And uh, look, K-State had tremendous road wins at Texas and Baylor. And the Moody Center, I, I will give Texas credit. It, it, they way did better. a great, great job with that as yeah. opposed to the drum and just the most sterile atmosphere in sports that they had going before. Horrible. Yeah, so like it's better, but it's I mean it ain't. Did you ever cover a game there at the old Irwin Center or whatever the hell it was called? I I didn't. You know, I've come. I was traveling with football for ten years (laughs) when I was still working full time in the in the profession, but I never got to cover a game in the drum. I wish I had. I wish I had. I mean, it. You're walking around like from the media area to the locker room. It's like an old bomb shelter. Like it. (laughs) You can't believe like this is Texas's basketball arena. It. The first game I ever called there, like I, ne- I was just in shock with how awful that place was. They, not, I haven't been there yet. Iowa State plays there in a couple weeks, but yeah, it's a, it's like a totally. Di- and I just like, oh, we can talk about the league for a minute. Like I, I keep waiting. So I, for a while, I kept thinking, oh, Kansas State, you know, people are going to start to scout them. They'll come back to earth a little bit, be a fourth or fifth place team. And I've kind of had the same feeling about Texas ever since the beard situation. It's like, you know, how much can they, like, can they keep this thing on the rails? Uh, We are, for the record, recording this at 7.30 right now on Monday. So anything that happens in Kansas, Baylor, uh, we don't don't know yet. But, like, and then you got Kansas. Like, they could lose three in a row right now. So it's just like, I I don't know. Like, we, we were doing this on our Cyclone Fanatic podcast last night. Like, who, who should be the favorite to win the league right now? And I, I, my take was it, it should be Kansas, but I feel like, you know, I could make an argument for Kansas. I think I could make a pretty strong argument for you guys, to be honest. Uh, I just like the – this Texas coach doesn't impress me. I, I just don't think he's great. Their talent's pretty good, but, like, you know, we kind of know Marcus Carr. Like, Tyrese Hunter is a good player, but it, obviously we know this, but he yeah. he's still a – 30% three point shooter, right? Like he's not, you have a better point guard, uh, you know, frankly, like, and, and it's not really close at this point. Who do you think is the favorite in the league? God, it's a, it's a really tough question. I mean, look, I, I am in deference. I feel like I have to just say Kansas. I mean, I do think, of course, you know, I'll say this through gritted teeth, but I, I mean, I think Bill Self's the best coach going in college basketball right now. He, he just always seems to find a way and figure it out. So I mean I think they very well could lose a third straight tonight and then and then still win the league. Um, God, I so I'll just say that out, out of default. But I mean you know I mean K State deserves mentioning they've won at Baylor, they've won at Texas, and they've beaten Kansas at home. That's um, the key for me is the where you've won. Yeah, that's a huge plus. And Iowa State has that with that win against TCU, right? That's going to be a really good win. Yeah, how the, how the hell do you beat TCU uh, after watching uh, K State just get absolutely blitzed? I, I that is one that puzzles me. And then watching them, I saw a lot of the game in Lawrence. I'm like, I don't. How does anybody beat them? So yeah, that impresses the hell out of me. I think they could run. The, like I, I really do. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they'd win like ten in a row at some I, point. I told we were having that discussion, the guys that I do my pod with uh, yesterday, and I, someone was like, eh, you know, I mean, TCU, they, they've got a great upper echelon, upper in there, but they're not consistent enough. I was like, I, I would not be shocked at all if TCU won the league or want to share the league. And those guys, when they get out and run, like if you start turning the ball over, they get out and run. I mean, they just make you look silly. They make Kansas look silly. They make K-State look very silly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think they're very much capable of doing that too. I think they deserve to be in the discussion for sure. All right. Um, as we wrap this up and I, we, John and I want to do this again um, and we will, and we'll get more in depth on how insufferable John can be to Iowa state fans. <laughs> Kidding. 
because um, a lot of people wanted me to talk to you about the Al Nazard, the no pass interference call where they waved the flag off. You know the game <laughs> I'm talking about. I think that, yeah, 2017, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's uh, – anyways – we, we can all agree that we find common ground here just how much we hate the Pac-12, right? Like, I mean, we can all just get on that boat. In the Because in the, I love watching you jab at the guys out on the West Coast. It's a good time. Man, that has been that has been another interesting rivalry that I never really knew would, uh, would pop up in my life. Like if you, I didn't have that on my bingo board that, that I was going to become rivals of the, uh, of the Pac-12. But I don't, it's really a lot of it for me it's not even so much like that one's not one where you're getting mad at their fans, right. That much no. because there, there aren't any, like there are not, I mean, that is the least engaged conference that I've ever seen on, on Twitter, but it was more like the, the media mouthpieces there. And like I, John Wilner, I respect John Wilner a lot. And I think I he's too. the most plugged in there. It's like John Canzano is the one where I'm like, okay. Like, and I know he rolls his eyes and looks at me and like, uh, you know, okay. YouTube guy that's doing the same thing, being a show for the big 12. But yeah, it was like some of the cans I'm like, and they still take questions in their mailbag. I, I read Wilner's mailbag every week uh, because it is good stuff. I mean, very good. He came like, on with me and was awesome. Like he, yeah. And I jabbed at him, and I, you know, I. He was awesome. So yeah, Kenzano's the one. It's just, you know, he came out with his column today, and it's just, it's all Larry Scott's Scott's fault. Everything you know, dating back to it's like, come on, man. Like, but I, I, don't stop I, that. I, I'm cheering you on. Sometimes I'm not. I'm not necessarily in the mix, but I'm back there watching. Yeah, no, I I could feel I could feel like all of us behind that to the Pac-12. It's just they still take. There was a question in the mailbag last week from Wilner that was like, "Hey, you know, what if?" And I forget what the scenario was, but it was like, and then the, the Pac-12 adds San Diego State. Like, okay, checks out. SMU, okay, checks out. And then TCU. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How are there people still suggesting that that is a possibility? Like TCU leaked on a, like I was calling it not a short list, but a medium list for the big 10 at one point uh, within the last year where it was like, they were like seventh or eighth down on the list, but they, they were ahead of Kansas, you know, on the big 10 list. Like, look, they're not going to the Pac-12. So the, yeah, the, I, I, we could all join forces there, man. That Pac-12 stuff is ridiculous. The Kansas thing's wild to me. Like from what I understand, and I, I'm, you know, like I say, I've been doing this I'll be almost 20 years in this league, but it doesn't seem like there's even like an appetite from the Big Ten to add them. From what I've gathered, what do you hear? Like, is that or is this all like from Kansas sources keeping that in the media? I mean, look, if we're you guys think that uh, you guys think Iowa State like my only you guys are not my only enemies out there. Right. So, like, I don't you know, I don't know how much you follow Mike Vernon who used to be uh, yeah that's the guy guy. who's always starting the the deal right with kansas yeah yes and he is (laughs) he's the one that famously said on 610 sports in kansas city like you know within the week of texas and oklahoma that news breaking i mean it was like a day or two later he went on the air and said he was being told that it was imminent that kansas would go to the big 10 and you know i mean we i try not to let him forget that as much as he would like to tell you that 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 was not what actually happened Uh, there is audio proof out there of it but yeah i mean so he's a guy that's connected and I, I think legitimately is connected within the athletic department and probably more so to some upper level donors. But to me, it just showcased like the hubris uh, that's there at Kansas where the, the donors and administration immediately thinks like, oh, well, I mean, of course, we're going to be well positioned for the Big Ten. The problem there is you just see basketball hubris and not understanding that like to me it's like an exchange rate right like the currency there's the dollar does not hold the same value in basketball that it does in football and i apologize my camera does that every like 20 minutes you're good the the 
the currency in basketball, like the exchange rate is worse. You're getting like 25 cents on the dollar with a powerhouse basketball program that you are for football. And like Kansas fans don't realize that I, I, Growing up in Kansas City, I live here now, and trust me, Kansas is basically the NBA team of Kansas City, so you Mm -hmm. see it everywhere. And it's just, people have grown up like this, they're not used to adversity, they're not used to taking losses, they think that this is the be-all, end-all, and they just don't understand the realities of the situation with a a basketball program, and I guess, you know, if you want to tack on the AAU thing, too. But I think it's all of that, you know, and all of that extends up to donors and people in the athletic department uh, who just have a higher view of what that basketball program actually means in the larger scale realignment wise than what the reality is. So I think it's that, and he's, you know, getting the word from people who have wishful thinking, I think in the, the Kansas athletic mm-hmm. department of all of that. And to be fair, like, I, you know, I'll say this uh, about that whole situation. Like he's doing kind of the same thing. I, he's found a way to monetize what he does and good for him on that front. But yeah, it's, I think it's created a lot of, uh, is Kansas fans with uh, their their head too too far in the sky as far as all of that goes? So I have not I have not heard like anything really legitimate about it at all. I mean, now I will not claim I you know I was a K State beat guy essentially for ten years, but I won't claim to have great sources within the league or anything. Especially now, I mean, your marks in town. It's a totally new regime. Like I'm yeah. I'm out of touch when it comes to that. So I don't have crazy inside sources or anything. But anybody with any level of uh, you know, veracity and what they do has not told me that there's anything legitimate to it at all. I'm so, really, I, I'm more interested in, anymore in the Gonzaga thing. I just feel like there's real smoke there. That feels, I won't use the word imminent to quote your friend, but like, I like my whole thing is like that. The way that all came out seemed very, I don't know, fabricated in a way it felt like somebody wanted that news to get out usually when you get to the point where oh there's these meetings that are happening like uh, and, but my biggest thing though john is what happens after that are they because i if you get gonzaga like do you get one like or do you start going to like these big east schools right like that because he's such an east coast guy i'm i'm fascinated by it and i also think that there might be you know your marks talked about like business and, you know, taking care of or taking advantage of any opportunities you have. And I just feel like with basketball right now in this league, especially with the teams coming in, if you could add like Gonzaga and let's just, I'm just throwing it Creighton, a basketball only school or Georgetown or whatever, like Villanova. I don't know. Um, I feel like there is some money to be made down the road though. Um, from bat, I just hope that they don't go overboard. Like if they try and play the big 12 tournament in, in New York city, I'll lose my mind. Like I will, yeah. I will boycott the league if that happens. Cause I'm such a big fan of it in Kansas city. But I, as far as that goes, like I'm way more interested in, in the Gonzaga thing right now than anything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, <laughs> you and me both on the big 12 tournament, I, I now, uh, live literally about two blocks away from sprint center. So if, oh, they, wow. move the damn tournament, if nice. they move the damn tournament at this point, I, I will be pretty upset. Well, but, we're, we got to get together then, man. I, I love that week. We got to have a beer this year. Yeah. Hey, absolutely, man. I, like power and light. I mean, I'm, it's one stop down the street car from me. So Beautiful. yeah, I'm right in that area. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Gonzaga thing to me clearly was strategically leaked. And that's where I think like, 
your mark is just such a master marketer. And I think he just runs circles around George Klyevkov, who just, I know this latest thing isn't really his fault, but he just can't control the news cycle. Everything seems to be negative. He got his emails leaked recently that kind of proved he was lying uh, mm-hmm. about, or at, at the best, like bending the truth about the whole Big 12, Pac-12 merger thing and who shut down those talks. Meanwhile, your mark, you know, the Pac-12 has talked to Gonzaga. Wilner has reported that, so I, I do trust it. But that didn't get out there and make a bunch of news cycles. But Brett Yormark gets Pete Thamel to report about it, mm-hmm. the, the head honcho at ESPN, and then it turns into a story. The Big 12's in the news cycle and generating a lot of, you know, fairly positive, I think, reception with that or at least discussion. Like, I just think he's he's brilliant and really well connected with things like that. And he is able to plant things and, and get those sorts of things out. Whether or not it actually happens, I mean, that'll be really interesting. But I, I think the... I think it's possible. It could be like a Villanova. It could be a Creighton. I just think your mark has tricks up his sleeve and we don't really even know where he's going because like the Gonzaga thing would not have guessed that in a million years. I mean, that, yeah. that came out of nowhere. So I just, and, and some people will say that 12 people will probably tell you like be leery of this guy, you know, slick used car salesman type. I'm like, I don't know everything he's done so far. I can see how you get that impression, but it's been pretty damn effective uh, so far. So I kind of, I just put my faith in him and think we we're probably in for some twists and turns. And I think, look, investing heavily in basketball, if there's nothing that you can really do on the football front for now, yeah. you just have to kind of sit around and wait for the four corner schools and see if uh, the PAC 12 further destabilizes. Hell yeah. Why not just lean into the basketball thing and create as much extra value there as you can, especially when here's one thing that I will say about, and I don't think the four corner schools thing is happening anytime soon. But Arizona would be the first one to, to pop loose. No doubt. And the scenario with Arizona is that is a school that cares deeply about basketball. And if the Pac-12 goes the route of like hardcore Amazon, where it's not going to be as widely distributed and they will take extra money uh, while sacrificing exposure, one of the places that will hurt the most is basketball. And Arizona would be the school that's going to be the most upset about that. So if the Pac-12 does that and then you go out and add – Gonzaga, Villanova, whoever it might be, and you create this super conference in basketball, Arizona is going to be looking at this like, hey, we can make basically the same amount of money here. We can be in a more stable environment, not having to look over our shoulder at what Oregon and Washington are doing all the time. And then we'll go to a place where they love and revere and respect basketball. And then once they go, can you get Colorado? And so I think that's the path in the long-term play there for the yeah. Big 12. And then who knows if this Deion Sanders thing, what Colorado's value is in, in five years, or if he's right. even still there we'll see all right john i would love to do this all night but i have little girls that i've got to get to bed uh, i i appreciate this this was a lot of fun i love giving you shit on twitter it's a blast for me um i i don't know why i've always liked you everybody everybody hates you and i'm like no i can see through that guy he knows what he's doing like, I, I can just tell you're just twisting the knife a little bit you're, you're doing exactly what my co-host brent bloom does to iowa fans all the time so i respect it well, I, I appreciate that. And man, I, I appreciate you doing this. And like, I, I enjoy the opportunity actually to, to be able to just like talk like this, because this is the thing, like I have fun with Twitter and I do enjoy it, but you know, we all get a little carried away sometimes. And sometimes we're sitting there like, damn it, man, did you have to do that? Like, did you need to pick that fight? Like, and so look, I don't, I don't hate you guys. It's all in good fun. You hear that guys? Uh, I, I understand some people are going to be like, whatever, screw you. And that's fine. But I, I do. It, I feel like so often, like if we could all just sit and have a beer yeah. in power and light, instead of being, you know, with our Twitter fingers, we would find out that we are, we are much more alike than not. So uh, yes, that would be, that would be my message. Uh, so I, wait, I have one question for you. Okay. okay. So yeah, 
I forgot about this. I was going to ask this when you brought up Tyrese Hunter. Did I see you tweet that they were not letting the students say Tyrese, like say well, his name during so that game? I I got to the arena a little bit later. I got there about an hour and a half before tip, and like it was right as the students came in. And one of our local TV reporters, a student told him that, that they were told if they say Tyrese's okay. name, that they would be asked to leave. So, yeah, like he reported that, like with the student saying it. And then clearly, I mean, like the whole student section was chanting F Tyrese, like half the game. And, okay. and you know, and Ots isn't like, you know, your coach will just get, get on the mic and be like, hey, you know, hey, guys. We need to cheer, you know, it, the, right. the Tang thing's really interesting, like how he's doing that. And I was, I read some story from Dennis Dodd today about how for the first time you're playing like one of those old rock songs and you guys aren't uh, chanting. Sandstorm. Stand, yeah, oh, yeah. You're not chanting FKU for the first time in like history. Uh, so, it like, it goes back to basically when I was in school, we're talking like 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. So you guys, crazy. you guys were chanting FKU in like the middle of like a Texas game. You hate them that oh. much. Like in the middle of a one, well, the, the biggest problem was when it started the Wabash Cannonball, right? Which is basically one of the two fight songs. It, they started figuring out the cadence to doing that. And it would happen oh, during a football game against, you know, North Texas, whoever you rolled in for the first night, South Dakota, right? You're playing South Dakota in football and you'd hear it there. And it was like, okay, guys, like the, even me, I'm like, this, this is getting a little out of control. So Tang, Tang, Tang's just like, knock it off. Basically. Tang is Tang has been able to, he was going into the student section to basically try and encourage them to not do it during football games. Like he has put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this and has legitimately stopped it. And it is, I would have told you it would take a decade's worth of work to make it happen. But when you combine it with the way he's winning, obviously that's the people key. are going to listen a little bit more. So uh, yeah, it's been crazy. I'm just, I'm generally, I saw that thing about the Tyrese. I was like, come on, man, let the kids have fun. Like that is generally my attitude. So that's why I wanted to ask. Cause I was like, let you listen, and I'm, I fully support the kids being able to transfer. Like I am, I've always been, I've been ahead of the curve on that, but that doesn't mean that I like the kid transferring within the conference to like the power in the conference when they've been at a place like the Iowa state to Texas move. I hate it. Uh, Texas tech to Kansas with Kevin McCuller. Right. I hate it. Yeah. So like, I don't want those guys to have success. So I was like, all right, I, I, I was frustrated and if that was going to be the case at Iowa state on top of it too. So it's Texas in the heat of this whole big 12 thing. Iowa yeah. state's kind of like the anti Texas, as far as like finances go. And like, you go to, go to downtown Austin and walk downtown Ames. All right. Like pretty different location. Um, but, but too, like Tyrese leaned into this. Like, he was running his mouth on Twitter in the summer and stuff like that. And, like, you know, like, it, it's it's just part of the deal. And I actually thought I thought it was a really good night for Iowa State because they, they got that out of their system. But by the end of the night, the Tyrese Hunter thing seemed like such a backstory because it was a really good game and, you know, and Iowa State won. So that wasn't really – and they shut him down and he was – he had a really good start to it, but uh, he didn't score – for the last like 30 minutes of that basketball game. So it wasn't even really a thing and it was just a good night for Iowa state. So that's kind of what you're yep. kind of what you're hoping for. All right. Well, we'll do this again. Yes, I, I promise uh, this will be fun. We should, we should do some of these in the off season too. I think looking forward to football when, when things are getting long. So he is John Kurtz. Um, how do for an Iowa state fan real quick, describe how to find you on your YouTube channel and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So the YouTube is just my name, John, J-O-H-N, Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. I do two live shows a week. I'm actually about to go live uh, here in a second when we hop off here. So All right. Uh, 
two two live shows a week. It's all Big Twelve. That's not that's not K State centric. In fact, I try to kind of purposely as much as I can stay away from K State. There, it's all Big Twelve conference realignment. Very conference realignment heavy um, with all of that. So uh, definitely, we got a great community. There's like sixteen thousand Big Twelve fans there. A lot of the new schools have fans that have come in there. It's just a it's been really cool to get to know the new schools there. So I think that's uh, that's a really great thing if you want to. Be uh, an involved Big 12 fan. If you do want a K-State specific, you can listen to my podcast, 3 Ma, you know, like Ema, but with a three. I think I'll pass on uh, that one, but I'll watch the yeah. YouTube show. I'm just kidding. Yeah. And, uh, of course, <laughs> I mean, do I even need to tell you that you can find me on Twitter? It's at <laughs> on Twitter. If you want some content there, that's another way to do it. Uh, if you're listening to this, I'll tag him on my Twitter feed, and you guys can find John if you want to. So, And Perfect. then for those on the K-State feed, um, thanks for thanks for letting me crash your party. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk again soon, okay? Sounds good, Chris. Take care.